Last week, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, we talked about some hard things. Um, what's, what's this whole thing about going in and wiping out a nation? Men, women, children, little ones, innocence. Oh, you know, there's the innocence, and I don't mean to mock that, but that's the, that's the thing. And so we, we walked through that, and we talked through that. Uh, if you'd like, the, our discussion uh, is available online. I don't know that that one is uploaded yet, but all of our Sunday school lessons are, are online if you ever want to go back and, and listen to them, sermons as well. Um, but, but not only is, is Canaan going to be cleared away, at least was supposed to be, but Israel was given grace uh, and God's glory revealed to them in, in him creating for himself a people. And what a blessing that was as God began to unfold ultimately what he expected of them. And that really takes us into our lesson today. We're going to finish up. Uh, we'll pick up in verse 17 of uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7. And the intent, and you may chuckle, is to go all the way through... Um, chapter 8. We'll see how that works out. Um, we'll start out reading uh, chapter 7, uh, verses 17 through 21. Corbin, since you're on my right hand over there, would you do that, please? If you should say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? You shall not be afraid of them. You shall well remember that the Lord your God, what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt, the great trials which your eyes saw and the signs and the wonders and the mighty hand and the outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out. You shall the Lord your God do to all, so shall the Lord your God do to all the peoples of whom you are afraid. Moreover, the Lord your God will send the hornet against them until those who are left and hide themselves from you perish. You shall not dread them, for the Lord your God is in your midst, a great and awesome God. Good. That's good for right now. We'll continue on. Essentially, the thought continues. It's not a, there's not a clear break right there. So, so God's exhorting them. Again, we're on the east side of the Jordan River. We're getting ready to enter the promised land. And... Why might there be trepidation and fear on the part of Israel as they are going in to possess the land? Stories. 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 Oh, what stories? How their parents were afraid and they were scared by all the ten men, I guess, besides Joshua and Caleb uh, that told stories of where they were going and what they'd have to do and who they'd have to fight. Yeah, yeah. What what kind of what kind of warriors were in the land? Did the did the spies find? There be giants in the land, you know. And so hey, there are giants in the land, big, huge people, and oh, walled cities, and 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 so they brought back this this report of fear. And and God God rebuked them. And in their faith, in their lack of faith, they died in the wilderness here. And so, you know, I, I look at this almost as, a, as a, a statement of God's kindness and grace to them. That, yes, I understand, I understand what you may be feeling. I understand what you may be thinking, but. Okay. <clears throat> what is, well, the, the great exhortation and the, really the great encouragement here, at least was for me in this passage, is what God has promised, God will bring to pass. What God has promised, God will bring to pass. 
so his antidote for them is, is to exhort them. He tells them not to be Don't be afraid. Why do we fear? Okay. There's an unknown or an uncontrollable aspect to it. Is is fear my own choosing? To a degree, yes. Yes. Everyone has it, but you can be afraid of different things. When I'm afraid... I'm really afraid of nothing. I'm afraid of what might be, what might happen, how that might feel. You know, what, what will it be like after open heart surgery? Oh, will I die on the table? Will I feel it? What's it like when they crack my chest? Will I hear it? Will I be under just enough? Eh, dental work. Eh. Yeah. So God says, don't be afraid. But he doesn't just tell them, don't be afraid. Because he knows we are but dust. He gives them something to focus on. Don't focus on the giants. What should you be focused on? God. And is it some ethereal, phantasmic idea of God? Or what what does he tell them to focus on? Just to remember what God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt, all the trials that they saw. Yeah. Most of you remember it. Yeah, you were kids at the time, but you remember it. You saw you saw. Remember the work I did amongst Pharaoh. And oh, by the way, not merely remember what I did, but here is what I will do. God will send hornets among them until those who are left and hide themselves from you are destroyed. Okay? Um, so God is going to go in there And by implication, there is something he is going to expect them to do. He is going to send hornets, but they are ultimately to destroy them. And this this idea of hornets, there's some debate. You know, is it real hornets or is it just chaos in the midst? Uh, And there are two passages that might actually um, give you both both sides. Exodus 23, 27, and 28 uh, gives you the sense that in verse 27, it talks about God sending a terror. And in 28, God (coughs) sending hornets. So is the hornets euphemistic for terror or is the terror actually the hornets? Deuteronomy 8.15 speaks also of hornets. We're going to be getting there a little bit later. But really, it's that's shop talk amongst amongst theologians what's what's the gist is that god's gonna god's gonna mess them up bad god's gonna mess them up there uh by whatever means you think of the can, can god send swarms of hornets what's going on in mecca right now yeah yeah locust filling locusts filling the holy site in uh mecca Right now. So, don't know that that's specifically a plague, but hey, take that for what it is. Um, so God's going to do this. Uh, verse 21, you know, again, he says, Don't fear. You shall not be in dread, for the Lord your God is in your midst, a great and awesome God. Oh, you know, what, a, what an exhortation, what an encouragement uh, from God here. Um, We'll continue on, uh, let's see, 22 through 24. Olivia, would you read those, please? Now your God will clear away these nations before you, little by little. You may not make an end of them at once, since the wild beasts grow too numerous for you. 
the Lord your God will give the glory to you and throw them into your confusion until they are destroyed. And you shall make them make their name perish from under heaven. No one shall be able to stand against you until you have destroyed them. Good. So God not only tells them that they are going to go in, go in, don't be afraid, go in. I'm going to, I'm going to send everybody in confusion and you're going to destroy them. All at once. You're going to just take them and zorch them all off. No. And, and, and so it almost, almost seems counterintuitive. Why not? Let's get rid, them, get rid of them all. Get rid of them all all at once. Get them off the land. Israel goes in and, and takes over. Why not? Type of sanctification is going on where you, where you grow by going through that fear um, and seeing God on the other side of it. And we'll, we'll, we'll actually talk about the application to us. Is is there an application um, to us? But but God wants them to go in. And in stages, take the land. You know, we're going to Joshua. You read about the Battle of Jericho. And, you know, step by step, they started going in to take the land and little by little to possess the land. Now, we talked last week about how many there were, and we say there were mm, conservative estimate, two million of them. You know, well, that's a lot of people. But you go... <laughs> To, to fill up Israel, that's not. And so there are a lot of kingdoms in there, a lot of kingdoms and communities and cities, and God is going to give them all over to Israel, but it is going to be little by little that he does that until they continue to grow and really take over the land. But God makes plain that this is to continue. He warns them over and over again that those in their midst who are not Israel will be a stumbling block to them. And so this, this, is, this is interesting. God is permitting this threat to them to be beside them. enemy, right? Like, kind of in there. Within Canaan. Okay. Israel's going into Canaan. And as they go in, there will still be pockets of these people that will need to be dealt with. Okay. God doesn't, he isn't going to take, he's not going to do it all at once. Are these people going to stand against Israel? Are they, are they going to be able to stand against Israel? Ultimately, no. No, not ultimately, no. Uh, Israel ought not be defeated by them. So I, I want you to imagine here. Okay, so Israel goes in and, you know, they, they waylay Jericho. And, you know, they, they know there's another town up the road. So hey, let's let's go have commerce with that town. Good idea? Not according to God's plan. Yeah, not according to God's plan. So here again, there is there is a testing of the people that we will see comes from this situation. Will you be faithful to the living God and what he has asked you to do, or are you going to ignore it? Oh man, they got good products. They make good stuff. You know, ah. Now again, this is for Israel specifically. At some point, as Israel is strong enough, they need to go finish off that town up the road. 
can't just go, I know they got nice walls and such. So there's, in, in some ways, there is a testing involved in this whole process. Because you know, little by little, ultimately the land is going to go to waste. God wants to see the land cultivated. God wants to see um, man have dominion over his creation here. So really, and, and you'll see this, this thread come up as we go through. Ultimately, we're going to just work through chapter 12 and, and then move on uh, in the future. So little by little, God is exhorting them. Now, what about, what about in our own lives? When you came to Christ and knew him as Savior, all of your sin problems just went poof. And you were walking holy. Right? Yeah, no. Why, if the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin, why doesn't it remove all sin? His own reasons, he has a. He wants to form us, um, little by little, into the uh, image of Christ, and he's he's decided to do that in time, for his own yes. his own reasons. Absolutely. You know why? Why does he do this? I don't know. I don't know. But he did. We know that, and it plays out in his word. Could he have? Yeah. Yeah, he could have. But, but that's not it. And, and I, I think these are, some, these are some great truths that we can glean, again, through all of God's word. We have a dependency on him. Does God tell Israel, you know, hey, good luck with Jericho. You know, have at it. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, no. God says, hey, here's the, here's the plan. Do what I say. The walls come down. You got it. Okay. This is our life in a fallen world still toting this flesh around. I have to be dependent on God. It forces me to be dependent on God. I can't eradicate these people in the land by myself. So should I just ignore them? Should I pet them, play with them? No! Ick! Now this is I, I got brought this. This is this is the next book that the men are going to start studying in February. And it's actually three books. Within this is John Owen's book, The Mortification of Sin. He's a Puritan and he writes really thick. And it's a hard read, but it is a worthy read. And I I bring this up because this, this is what the men are going to study, and it's not for sissies, but I offer it up to all of you to read The Mortification of Sin. There is no fuller treatment that I have ever read on dealing with sin in your life than this book. Because he digs into God's word. And his anchor point is Romans 8, chapter 13. Ultimately, if you... Your responsibility in Christ is to be killing sin and living by the Spirit. Killing sin by the Spirit and living to the Spirit.
um, there. So I exhort that to you, but it, it, it just highlights the fact that it's a battle. It is a battle, and we must be battling. Otherwise, we're going to start bartering with these people in our sin. Joseph. It almost presents the same picture that Adam and Eve had to establish God's authority of enjoy the garden, all that's in it, just don't eat from that tree. And so it's kind of keeping that choice there uh, put for them in, in the land. What a great God. No, he doesn't make you a robot. He is absolutely sovereign. Yep. And still I go, I can raise my right hand or I can raise my left hand or I can raise them both. Little by little. Your work. God is going to give them over to you until they are destroyed. Verse 24, he will give their kings into your hand and you will make their name perish from under heaven. So God's going to go here and your responsibility is to kill them. Their names will perish under heaven. Their carved images of their gods you shall burn with fire. You shall not covet the silver or the gold that is on them or take it for yourselves, lest you become ensnared by it, for it is an abomination to the Lord. You know, your work is to destroy, 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 and to hate these things. Even their money and their wealth, destroy it all. Oh, but their silver, oh, we could, we could take their silver and we could coin it into money, or we could throw it into a fire and out comes a calf of gold. <coughs> you know, God said, uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm going to give you the whole land. You don't need it. Don't covet their stuff. Again, back to the idea of sin. You're going to be going, oh, but you know, ooh, well, if I just... Okay, maybe I'll ignore this part, but I'll embrace this part of it. God says, no, don't. Don't. Hate these things. You shall not bring an abominable thing, abominable thing into your house. You shall not bring an abominable thing into your house and become devoted to destruction like it. You shall utterly detest and abhor it, for it is devoted to destruction. We looked at that word a couple of weeks ago about being devoted. Devoted to destruction. Is there anything in this passage that's not clear? You know, God's word is deep. It's deep. We could go way deeper on some of the stuff that, that we have. But it's also simple. On one level, it's very simple. On other levels, it is very deep. And we could go a lot deeper, but we'll press on here. So God is, is really, hey, don't, don't fear. I, I've got this. got things for you to do, but they're going to be simple. You just do what I tell you to do. Life's going to be good. And so he gives them ultimately in here a great exhortation. Uh, let's see. We'll uh, read chapter 8. Uh, Elaine, would you read one? Go ahead and read 1 through 10. No goofy names in there. The whole commandment that I command you today, you should be careful to do. That you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbles you and let, your hunger, and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these forty years. 
Know then in your heart that as man that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in the in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper, and you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Okay, there's your deal. You up for it? You know, would you sign on? Man. You know, if a, if a car salesman's making me that kind of deal, you, you're going, yeah, you bet. Put pen to paper right now. This is great. This is, this is wonderful. What, what, what is God's exhortation to them in verse 1? Do. Do. Do it. Great Nike slogan. I mean, just do it. The whole commandment. How much of it? All of it. Be careful. What does that imply? you think doing it is going to just come naturally? I'm not going to have to think about it? Hmm. Corbin plays piano. Did it just come to him, I don't think? No. No? Okay, good. Mom? He's always natural. <laughs> okay. Doesn't just happen. Violin or viola? Violin. Violin. Ukulele, right, right there. You know, it doesn't just happen. You don't pick it up and go, oh, oh, oh. you know, it doesn't, it doesn't just happen. You have to intend. You have to purpose. You have to practice. You have to build up calluses. You have to learn rhythms. You have, it requires intention and purpose. Why would we think following after God just happens? Especially knowing that our flesh Fights against us. I'm not even want to do that. No, I've got other things for you to do. Knock him off. Knock him off. Do this. Live. Multiply. Live. What's he? What's his exhortation in verse two? Yeah. You know, two things. Remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart. Okay? Remember what God has done. All of it. All of it. I mean, we, we, uh, Debbie Stone, the, the wife of uh, first pastor of this church. Every year she has done, taken a sheet of paper, put two lines down it, and at the start of the year, she just starts writing down blessings. In the ways that God has blessed her in that day. Just writes down one, one thing, maybe two things. To remember what God has done. And at the end of the year, that page is filled up, front, filled up front and back with how God has blessed her. I mean, think, how did God bless you last year? Yeah. You know, we're, we're, we forget, we forget all the wonderful and marvelous ways that God has blessed us. Thank, you know, what a, what a blessing that we have pictures. You know, oh, I forgot we even did that last year. But God wants us to remember all that he has done. 
there to test you, to know what was in your heart. I thought God knew that. I thought God knew what was in my heart. Isn't he omniscient? Doesn't he know everything? What's this mean? To test you to know what was in your heart. Does this imply he is not omniscient? Could. I mean, with with a you go, ah, out of context it might. But the rest of context of scripture goes, that can't be what that means. You have faith. I have works. Works. I will show you my faith by my works. My faith is justified by my works. Doesn't mean I'm justified before God by my works. My faith is proven by my works. Proven by what I do. And so you are proven when you are tested, <coughs> you've all heard the example of the tea bag. Now, the tea bag by itself doesn't do much. Only when it's put in hot water does what inside of the tea bag come out and affect the world around it. So, too, when we are tested, how am I going to relate to that community? Am I going to do what he said, am I going to believe what he has said to me? And so God here shows them, you know, just he highlights a couple of things that he did on their way. Uh, he humbled you and he let you hunger. Okay, he let you, he let you hunger. Who brought Israel out of Egypt? God. So if God brought them out, and we, we talked about this because it's, it's spoken of earlier here in Deuteronomy. If God brings them out, who's going to care for them? God is. I mean, it stands to reason. Did the people make that step of faith? To go, oh, God's brought us out here, so Lord, would you provide for us? Oh. Well, I was thinking they left. They left. Okay, they did leave. And so they did trust him there. Okay. They start complaining. Okay, yes, they, com they complain. So when I don't have what I want, the thing I should do is gripe. And then God will bring me manna. Or quail. Oh my goodness. You know, what would have been the better response of Israel? To what? Yeah. Oh, you know, oh God. Hey, hey, hey Moses, we, we get, people are getting hungry. Is, is God going to provide for us? You know, he, he brought us out here. He probably will, won't he? And Moses goes, oh, Lord, you know, here we are. The people are hungry. Ah. And, and God goes, sweet. Absolutely. I am your storehouse. I am your satisfaction. I am your provision. I am your food. I'll provide for you. Oh, we're thirsty. Lord, did you bring us, did you bring us water? How they handle these tests. He humbled you, in verse 3, and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Oh, how good is that? 
Now this was Jesus' response to whom? Satan. 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 And the disciples. When the disciples came back, uh, scrounging for food in, in Samaria, Jesus said, I have food that you did not know about. You know, they're looking for a hot dog stand or something. There. No, it's to do, do the will of my Father, to know and do the will of my Father. Did, did you not recognize, verse 4, your clothing didn't wear out? We've been out here for 40 years. How long does a pair of shoes last in your house? Yeah. Your clothing did not wear out. And your foot did not swell these 40 years. No, please, children, know in your heart. Know with all of your being. As a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. Is this bad? Oh, God disciplines me. Well, here's he's, here he's saying... Now you know what in your heart. Up, here, up earlier he was saying that I will know what's in your heart. And now he's telling them that they will know what's in their heart. Or that they're commanded to know then in your heart. But as a man discipline his son, they're supposed to know it in their heart. Okay. What's another word for discipline? That, that might... Training. 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 God is training his children. Is training sometimes unpleasant? Yes. Is, some, is training sometimes very enjoyable? Yes. Is training sometimes punitive? Yep. You know, is there a reward occasionally with training? Yes. I mean, all these things are taken in there. So when we see the Lord God disciplines you as a man disciplines his son, we shouldn't immediately go, spanking. You know, God's going to schwack me to get me to do what he wants me to do. No. No. His word is discipline to me. It trains me in the way that I should go. It is a light to my path. God's great oh, kindness to us. And therefore, he exhorts them, keep all the commandments. Keep the commandments by walking in his ways and fearing him. Walking in his ways. Um, it, it, it has to be part of part of who you are. Usually if I have to think about a chord, you're going to see me get lost in a song. But if I can naturally make the chord, it just happens. You know, I, I, can, I, can, I can play it better. I can play the song better if I don't have to think about the chord. And if I'm walking with the Lord, it is a natural process. I'm not just learning how to walk. And this leads ultimately to praise. Um, verses 7 through 10 just talks about God's lavish to them good land brooks valleys hills wheat vines fig trees pomegranates honey bread no scarcity lacking nothing or or all over the place you will eat and be full and you will bless the lord your god and you will you will be people of thanksgiving i mean it's it's going to burble out because you are so richly blessed but and so right on the heels of this, this great exhortation comes really a great concern uh, from 11 uh, through the end of the chapter. Here, verse 11. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you to this day. Command you today. 
Why do we forget? Is it sinful to forget? Okay. David, I know you forgot something here recently. Mm-hmm. Was that sinful? No. No. Well, Did you go, well, I'm just I'm going to do everything in my power not to remember this thing? Yeah. I mean, by nature of the fall, I, those things within me. Yes. I had the capacity to fail. Yes. Man, if it was before breakfast, good luck. <laughs> Praise God for my cell phone where I can put reminders in it. And if I don't put reminders in, it's probably not going to happen. Even if I do put reminders in, I hope it happens. But I think, too, Good? like, so Benjamin, I'm sorry, maybe I shouldn't have said this, but anyway, Chuck, who will, <laughs> who I'll say, you did not do what I told you to do. But I forgot. And there wasn't that much time that elapsed between Thought maybe that's legitimate, but he did not work to try to remember. Good. Which is why, over and over again, we're commanded to remember. I have to, again, purpose in my heart to remember. You know, I told you, I mean, think back to 2018. Can you name five blessings from 2018? Great, specific, and wonderful things that God brought to your life in 2018. Where you go, boom, yeah, boom, 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 boom. Another year of life. You know, that's, that, I mean, that's, 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 that's trite. I'm still breathing. My hair grew. Some of it. <laughs> um, the things that are What it, here in the in verse eleven, God gives them something to help them not forget. What does He say will help them not forget? Yes. If I am intentional about keeping the commandments God has given me. It will keep me mindful of God. As you read through Psalm 119, God, you know, I studied your word that, that I might know your name, and I know your name because I study your word. And, you know, it goes round and round. Uh, God, I, I know your word that I might not sin. I choose not to sin that I might know your word. These things go hand in hand. And so... Uh, again, it, it, we, we, we hammer this. It is an emphasis here in this place, in God's church, the preeminence and supremacy of his word in our life. It must be. The danger. 12 and 13, Arnold. Of chapter 8. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full, and hast built goodly houses, and dwelt therein, and when thou thy herd and thy flock multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied. Okay, so the impression here is hey, do not forget, lest when you have come in and you've received all these blessings, God says they're gonna come. 
They are going to come lest when this happens, what is the danger? Verse 14, Katrina. Yep. Then your heart will be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Yeah. What is meant by my heart is lifted up? Where did all this come from? Me. 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 Oh, man. I must be a really good person. God must really like me. I'm his prince. You know, and therefore... Showers of blessing. Come to me. Me. Ah, me. Yeah, no, him. Him. He has given us great provision. And the warning is following great provision can come very great pride. It is God who brought us out of slavery. It is God who brings us guidance through the wilderness. Verse 15, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness. It is God who protected you. Notice with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. He provided for you that water. He brought you water out of the flinty rock. He fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know. That why he might humble you and test you and do you good in the end. Our, hum, our humility before God and this testing, this proving before God is for our good. As a father disciplines those he loves. Beware, verse 17, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. I am not causal for any of my successes. I can't name one of the things that has come to me in blessing where I can go, ah, oh, that's my, that's me. God brought me to all of these places. God has given me the things he has given me. And he can take it away. He can take my mind away in a moment. He can take my legs away in a heartbeat. Nothing. I have, I have nothing. He can take my wealth. Job. Job. Oh, yeah. Great. Great. You are not causal. I am, verse 18, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. It is God. Man, oh, should we worship? Oh, should we rejoice? Oh, should we delight? Oh, should we set our affections on things above? Because it is when we are rightly oriented before God that these things we can enjoy and they don't become encumbrances to us. They don't trip us up. Because I go, you know, this is just, this is just a thing. This is a thing. It's going to break. You know, I have no idea how, how, how much longer before you know, it wears out. Got to get a new one. He confirms his covenant with them. You know, the covenant that he made, that he swore to your fathers. God swore it. If you forget the Lord your God, verse 19, and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. I mean, here's the choice. It, 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 it comes up in, in Deuteronomy elsewhere. It is a, it, it's a choice of life and death. It is a, a choice of eternal life that begins here and now. Or it is, a, it is a slide to death. 
that you are choosing. It might look really good right now, but that slide begins to accelerate, and pretty soon you're going to go off the end into the abyss of eternal torment because you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God. So, just some, some quick takeaways there at the end. God's working for your good. God is not a cosmic killjoy. God is working for your good. And really, it, it, I can enjoy that with a heart of faith and trust. It should give me a heart of adoration. Well, come, let us adore him. It should then burble out into a heart of thanksgiving. And, and really, my fullness of joy is bound up in my obedience. My fullness of joy is bound up in my obedience. It is in being obedient to him that I can know such joy and fullness in the Lord. to remember what he has done, to remember what he has promised to do and remember what he calls you ultimately to do and be. But to do this, I have to tune my ears to his voice. I mean, uh, I've been working pitifully hard to hear harmonies. I'm not good at hearing harmonies. I want to hear harmonies. I want to be able to sing harmonies. But something five years ago, not going to happen at all, but now I'm starting to hear them, but I have to listen for it. I have to hear God's voice there. So I have to train my ear to pick up what he is saying. Um, God, God does expect of us. He does. But God is really going to provide us the way into the promised land. He is going to carry us into the promised land. He is faithful. He will complete the good work he is doing in Jesus Christ. That's it. I'm out of time. Um, if anybody has any questions or you want to continue to talk about this or anything, we will continue.